The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome to it. Wednesday evening, we are set to go. It's, what, seven minutes after 7 o'clock, so let's get at her. we got lots to cover here in the Employment Law Show. As you know, lines, look at that, already open for your convenience, 416-870-6400. That is the way you call through to ask your employment law questions. Maybe it's about going back to work. Maybe it's can you be off work? Do you have to get vaccinated? Is COVID-19 still affecting my rights? All of that stuff and anything else that you have in mind uh, from week to week. When it comes to your job, your employment, if you're an employer or an employee, either way, 416-870-6400, that is the number to call. We'd love to talk to you. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We've got a lot of stuff to cover off on the show tonight like we do every week. In fact, we're going to get to this. Our topic is your employment laws during COVID-19. We'll tell you about those. First, the week that was, brother, what do you got going on? John, you'd be. Are you going to be shocked to hear that I've been busy answering a lot of questions? Uh, is that shocking to you? <laughs> Dumbfounded yeah. completely. I don't Dumbfounded. understand. Dumbfounded. Who would have thought? But that's what an employment <laughs> yeah. lawyer does, right? I answer a lot of questions, and you know, some types of law. You know, if you're like a real estate lawyer, uh, it's very transactional. You know, what a lot of what I do is I answer questions. I try to help people understand their rights, help them enforce their rights. Oftentimes, just make them feel better by arming them with information. I do that every day at work. Well, I also do that on the show. So if you're listening right now, you have an employment law issue, an employment law question, maybe some sort of a dilemma, ultimatums, by the way, come up very often. Your boss said, you have to tell me what you want to do by Monday. Anything like that, any issue, question, problem, ask, call us right now and ask the question. I'll be able to answer it. I'll be able to tell you what to do. As I've said a million times, the laws here in this province are actually quite good. Employment laws are extensive, but you need to know what they are. And how do you know? Well, the easiest way to do it is call us right now with your employment law question. I'll answer it. But, of course, there's the second option. I've always said that you can always call me at the office as well if you want to have a, a chat by email or by phone. We'll give you that information a bunch of times throughout the show. But I always like to start off with some situations that came across my desk. Uh, first matter I'll tell you about is I got a call from a gentleman uh, who has recently uh, had a, a bit of a back issue and got a note from his doctor saying that he needed modified duties. Well, his employer said, well, no, we don't have any modified duties for you, so uh, your option is to just go on short-term disability until you're better. So this guy contacted me. He wanted to know what happens if he doesn't get approved for short-term disability. But what I said to him is, well, wait a second, let's take a step back here. He took it for granted that his employer couldn't accommodate him, but he didn't know that for sure. And I said, well, how do you know that your employer can't accommodate you? Are your modified duties that crazy? I mean, you, you, you can't stand, you can't sit? No, he just had some uh, changes that he needed to his job. And what I told him is, before we even talk about short-term disabilities, remember, your employer has to accommodate you. They have to make all reasonable efforts to accommodate. And if they haven't tried, they don't really want to, they think it's a pain in the butt, well, they cannot do that. That's illegal. That's a human rights violation. So what I told them is this. 
Go back to your employer and say, what have you done to find me a position? What have you looked? How did you conclude that there's nothing for me? Put them to the test. Put their feet to the fire, if you know what I mean. They can't, you can't just take the employer's word for it. If legitimately there's nothing, then yes, he can go on short-term disability, and if, his if the insurance company won't approve him, I'll help him. But I wanted to remind everyone there of that obligation that an employer has to provide that accommodation. Maybe you need modified duties, modified hours. Maybe you need the ability to work from home. If you have that doctor's note, the employer has to find a way to make it happen. Otherwise, that's a human rights violation. By the way, outside the hour of the show, of course, reaching Lior and the uh, the crew, no problem, one 821 5900 But right here, right now, 416-870-6400 is the way to get on air and talk to us. Rick, thanks for standing by for a moment. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. How you doing? Good, sir. What is uh, what's on your mind tonight? My question is, I work for a transport company that I do not cross international borders or do not, you know, interprovincial borders. So, and the carrier that I work for is, we're a federally regulated carrier that way there. So my dispatch came up to me and says, "Have you had your shot yet?" I says, "No." He says, "Well, you have to get your shot, or you know, you you ain't going to be working that way there. Uh, that kind of stuff there, you're going to be working. You're going to be, you know, more or less Canada." I says, "Well, you can't do that." I says, "What do you mean?" I says, for one thing, the feds have not mandated the shot. They said, oh, yes, they have. I said, no, it's not mandated. They, it's, it's, not, it's not mandatory that I have to get the shot. So I'd like to have some clarifications on this. What's my options? I don't, I, I don't think they can really do nothing to me. Rick, you're absolutely correct. They cannot do anything to you. An employer is not allowed to demand you get the vaccine or else, okay? It's an individual choice. And unless the government at some point steps in and says, you know, these people or these industries have to be vaccinated, then then an employer can't decide to do that. And you're absolutely right. No government, whether it's provincial or federal, has made the vaccine ma mandatory. Maybe that will change, maybe not. I don't know. But it's not mandatory. Now, if you are crossing borders into the U.S., I may feel differently. There may be some requirements there from our friends south of the border to enter the country. But if you're not crossing borders, they cannot do that. That would be illegal. So that said, nothing is going to ultimately stop them physically from firing you if that's what they decide to do, but that's illegal to do that, and we'll be able to deal with it and get you compensation and you know get some penalties imposed on them. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right, and, and, and it's a great question. I've been getting that asked quite a bit over the past few weeks. You cannot be forced to have the vaccine. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. No Appreciate that. And uh, again, if you need to follow up when, it, uh, when everything settles, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmentlawyer.ca is the reach, uh, way to reach out through email. We're going to move on here. Still got time for a couple more before we break. Maxwell, you are up next. Good evening. Hi. Good evening. What's going on? Hey, uh, how are you doing, guys? Um, I have a quick question for you. Um, I was just recently given a contract. Um, employment contract, and I noticed in one of the clauses it stated that if in the event that they don't have enough work, they can lay me off. But my concern is that is, would that be considered like a, a, a constructive dismissal? Because in the event that they don't call me back. So Maxwell, uh, are you? Is this a new job that you're uh, you're accepting, or is this a job that you're already working at? This is a new job that I'm accepting. Okay. So generally speaking, an employer does not have the right to put you on a temporary layoff unless 
the employment letter, the employment agreement says that they have that right. So in your situation, what they've done is they've put that in the letter. So at some point, if they choose, they could lay you off temporarily for as, as much as 34 weeks. So if you accept this letter, at some point, if they feel that they need to, they can put you on a temporary layoff for up to 34 weeks. Obviously, at the end of that layoff, uh, if they don't call you back, they'd have to pay you severance. But the concern, of course, is that you're giving them these rights. Because you're accepting a new job, you may not have the ability to negotiate this. I think it's worth bringing it up to them. Worst thing they can say is we're not going to change it. But you have to understand that what you're agreeing to is to give them a right that they otherwise would not have, which is the right to put you on a temporary layoff. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Appreciate that, man. Thanks, Max. Right, well, no appreciate uh, appreciate your time as well. Reaching out further, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Don't hesitate to have a uh, a chat later on with Lior, a member of his team. That is no problem. We'll get David in here before uh, before the break. Hey, David. Good evening. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up? Um, so I'm uh, is a truck driver, and I currently work for a local uh, trucking company. Um, I do the same thing every day. I've been doing it for three years. Um, now. They want me to, my company wants me to uh, shunt trailers around the yard on top of doing my pickups and deliveries. So I'm just wondering, all it says here in my employment contract is that uh, I'm hired for the position of AZ driver. Now, does that mean I have to also do the shunting or is that like a separate job? So I take it that up until now you haven't uh, done the shunting? I've been doing a little bit of shunting here and there, but now they want me to sign something saying that I'm going to start doing, like, I'm going to make it official that I'm going to be shunting. And, and how much of your ti- your time is going to be spent doing that? Do you know? Uh, roughly an extra hour a day. Okay, so you, you don't certainly don't shouldn't sign something because the problem with signing is that if they then decide to say, well, from now on you're only doing shunting, then you're not going to be able to do anything about it because you signed that document. You know, if they because you've done some shunting before, and you know it's related to to driving, and they, it's kind of one hour a day, it's not enough to be a fundamental change to the terms of employment. So it's not in itself illegal. But what I don't want to have happen is I don't want you to sign a, an agreement that allows them to say from now on you're only doing shunting, uh, because that's not something that they're allowed to do. So I'm not as concerned about the one hour a day. I'm concerned about you signing that document. Okay, so we'll just keep it verbal. Yeah, that's much better for you, uh, and I think you you want to be you know mindful of this. If this be, at some point you see that they're kind of pushing it and it becomes a, a more significant part of your job, at that point we have to have a chat. That may be considered a constructive dismissal. We're not quite there with one hour a day. All right, thanks. Thanks, no David. Problem. Appreciate that. Uh, you need to reach out any further. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll take our first little break here and get right back to it. Lots to cover on the uh, remainder of the show, which means you got lots of time as well. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred, and we'll continue employment law show on a Wednesday evening, right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.
Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. 721, we are back at it. Welcome back to it. Uh, 416-870-6400. That is the number, 416-870-6400. Just getting a couple calls lined up here. We'll get back to those momentarily. The email address, by the way, which is good anytime, of course, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you want to reach out to a website that is full of employment law information. The first stop you make, even before the phone call, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Wrapped up into that, of course, is the trustee severance pay calculator. You can check that out anytime you like. But as we uh, we get set for more calls here, uh, we'll get to this. Our topic for the tonight uh, for tonight, rather, that is your employment law rights during COVID nineteen. Now, this has probably been. I guess probably the last 62, 63 weeks uh, previous to this, Lior, probably one of the biggest topics you're getting on the phones and emails all the time, right? It's 98% of what I'm dealing with these days. Mm. Employment law rights in the context of COVID-19, there's almost no one who hasn't been touched or impacted somehow or the job hasn't by COVID-19. So I thought I'd take some of the most common questions and issues that I'm seeing and try to address them on the show tonight. Well, I mean, one of the first ones we had a caller talk about that, and the you know the person saying you know the employer saying you got to go get vaccinated. We understand now that basically for now you can't be ordered to do that. That would be a, that would be an interesting uh, a change of events if that did go down. But is there is there some people that call in occupations that there may be a bit of a gray area there? So I can tell you right now, John, that I've been getting the, this question about vaccines asked nonstop, especially the past couple of weeks. I've been getting even media calling me and asking me, you know, newspapers, TV, et cetera. I'm doing actually, yeah, you'll see me on, on Global tomorrow morning, by the way, Excellent. at 7.10, if anyone wants to watch me. Uh, but the reality is this is a, a very difficult uh, subject here, but it's still uh, the law that an employer cannot make someone get vaccinated, certainly not most people. Now, there are some exceptions potentially, and that was, those are positions where they're very, very safety sensitive. Uh, maybe hospitals or people in elderly care, those types of jobs yeah. where the risk is too large and you really can't do your job safely, uh, you know, or, or as safe unless you've been vaccinated. For most other places, even restaurants, no, you cannot be required to be vaccinated. I personally think people should go get vaccinated. I know I have. But if you ultimately choose not to, you cannot be forced, you cannot be made, and you cannot be fired or penalized for doing that. If you are in that situation, if you feel your boss is overstepping, give me a call. 416-870-6400, the way to call in here and now. Jennifer, thanks for standing by for a uh, couple minutes there. Good evening. How are you? I'm great. How are you tonight? Excellent. What's uh, What's on your mind? Um, I just have a question in regards to um, COVID, and um, I know in the beginning, during the beginning of COVID, that you know there was a lot coming out where people couldn't lose employment. Um, um, just a quick question: I was laid off from uh, my employer, and during that time, during my layoff, um, they did hire two uh, leads internally um, to. Uh, try and maintain my job, and then um, I received termination in September. Um, and then after beyond September, less than six months, they had posted my position. I just, um, I did receive, um, you know, a severance and such. However, I'm just wondering, um, you know, wh- what 
what I guess I could have done differently in terms of, you know, I kept asking my return date during my layoff. Um, and then during that time, they had hired uh, internally two leads to maintain my position. Right. Um, and I was a, a, um, a lead at that point, too, prior to my layoff. Uh, Jennifer, how long did you work there for? I was there for 15 years. And, and how old are you, Jennifer? Uh, I am, um, do I have to tell everybody that? <laughs> well, g g even <laughs> no, give me a, an approximate range, and I'll explain why. Yeah, yeah I'm between uh, 50 and 55. Okay, that's fine. So so here's why uh, I asked, and I'll explain that. First of all, you know, obviously it's it's unfair that, you know, your employer says, we're going to lay you off, maybe it's because of COVID, but we're really going to hire someone else. Obviously that's dishonest, uh, and, and it's it's wrong. That said, it's not really illegal because an employer generally is allowed to let you go as long as severance is paid. So the issue for you is that of severance, and potentially you could have been owed you know, 16 to 18 months of pay. Now, you've said that you've received severance. How much did they give you in terms of months? Do you recall? Uh, not, not off the top of my head right now. Um... Was it near what I just said, somewhere between 16 to 18 months? That is correct, yes. Okay. So if you receive somewhere in that range between 16 to 18 months pay, uh, months, not weeks, of course, then the company, legally speaking, would have done what it's supposed to. You know, maybe not ethically, but legally they would have. So nothing really you, you should have done differently. Uh, my concern was that you've accepted a lot less severance than what you wrote. If, in fact, they paid you 16 to 18 months, from a legal standpoint, yeah, what they've done is acceptable and you don't have to beat yourself up that you should have done anything differently. So in terms of the end of employment um, due to uh, a restructuring, um, and then they um, had posted the same position exactly what I have done, I, I, guess, uh, I guess they're able to do that? Um, they, they are, yeah. Okay. An employer doesn't have to give a reason or, or doesn't, unfortunately, have to even be honest about the reason for letting you go as long as they pay severance. So they may have said restructuring and that may have been a lie. Maybe they decided to hire someone else because they can pay them less or maybe that other person was related to the boss. I don't, you know, I'm just yeah, you know, I I hear talking what hypothetically. Yep. Yeah. Ultimately, what, as long as they pay you the proper severance, from a legal standpoint, they've done what they're supposed to. Now, again, I'm saying ethically it's wrong, but ethics aside for a second, from a legal standpoint, they can do that. Okay. Um, and should I, I guess I should have conferred with somebody prior to, um, with the, I, you know, I felt I had no other choice but to sign. Um, you know, should I have, I guess I should have seeked legal uh, opinion prior to. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, you tell me, I mean, you can go back and look. I would be surprised if, in fact, they paid you somewhere between 16 to 18 months pay. And the only reason I'm saying that is because in 90% of cases, employees are offered a lot less than what they're owed. So it is always, always imperative that you speak with an employment lawyer like myself before you accept that severance offer. Uh, but obviously, if you've signed off now, there's nothing you can do. So if there's one thing you could have done differently is to get that advice before you sign that severance offer. Jennifer, appreciate the call tonight, and uh, going to move on. 416-870-6400 is the way you do that, just like Jennifer did. Ed, thanks for standing by. Good evening. 
Yeah, my question is, uh, last March, I got laid off, which was a year and two months ago. And uh, everybody got laid off at the same place, right, at the same time. Mm. Uh, now, a few guys already got a call and got paid off at their severance pay. But I never received a call yet. So I'm just wondering, should I hang on and wait? How long do I have? Yeah, and they should have paid your severance already. In fact, they didn't have a right to put you on the layoff last year. It's already been, you know, I don't know, 14 months or whatever it is. So yes, a year and two it's, months. It's time, right, a year and two months. So it's time to get the severance that you're owed. It's time to say, I'm not waiting. I'm going to do what I'm entitled to do and, and to get the severance that I'm owed. Now, okay. let's, let's talk Turkey here, Ed. How long have you worked there for? 14 years. 14 years. What kind of a job and how old are you, Ed? 14 years part-time, three days a week. Uh, I'm okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm 73 years old. Okay, and what, what were you doing? I was driving. I'm the shuttler. So you'd easily be owed a year's pay and potentially as much as 15 or 16 months pay. You know, the fact that your you know age is a, is a main factor here. So yeah. it's time to get that severance. The way you do that, it's very simple. Reach out to me after the show. Call or email me. We'll have a chat. Usually a letter or two from me is going to get it all done. Uh, you're yeah. owed significant compensation, you know, anywhere from one year to 16 months pay. That's a lot of severance. So yeah, uh, let, let's have a chat. And by the way, don't assume that your, your friends that may have got severance, I would bet you anything that they actually received a lot less than what they're owed. So let's yeah, make sure that, does, that doesn't happen to you. Well, hang on. Some of them accepted it, and I know a few guys who didn't accept it. They went and they got they went and got a lawyer, and and they got right. more money, and they got more money in the end. Well, there you go. So for you, we're talking sixteen months. So let me help you get that. It's not going to be complicated. You don't have to sit and wait. Give me a call after the show, and let's make it happen. Yeah. How much do you charge for that now? Well, when, when we chat, we'll give you a couple of options, including working on contingency. So we'll, we'll chat about all that. Most of our clients don't want to pay by the hour because they're afraid of costs. So we work on a contingency basis if that's what the individual prefers. Ed, appreciate the time and the call. Here is the number to reach out. Make sure you do. one 855 821 and help at You know, it's interesting, and it, it, it brings about something that people don't always realize. I know Ed kind of stumbled there because he thought it might change the equation. He said part-time. I'm part-time. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. Full-time, part-time, senior, or junior. The way I put it is very simple. If you had a job and then you lost that job, you're owed severance. I don't care what kind of a job. Now, the type of job may impact the, the amount of severance, right? So, for example, someone in a very specialized or senior role may get more severance than someone in a more junior role, mm -hmm. but you still get severance, all right? You absolutely get severance. And for, the, for this gentleman, you know, he's, he, he's worked part-time. He could easily be owed 14, 15, 16 months of pay. That's a lot of compensation that he is legally owed. We're going back to uh, in between the phone calls, by the way, some common questions you've been getting about COVID-19 and your legal rights and your workplace. Do you have to go to the workplace or can you insist on working from home? Because so many people have been doing that for a year plus, right? Yeah. And, you know, here's the, the interesting situation. We can look at, you know, this last 14 months, however long it's been, COVID-19, is a very unique situation where... Employers would and employees would have had more flexibility in terms of making work arrangements. So, if your employer generally 
can't make you work from home. During COVID-19, they had more flexibility. Uh, but th what that means is that if your employer chooses to say, we need you to come back to the office now, whether it's now or even after COVID-19 ends, your employer can do that. So you may have been working from home for the last year plus. If your employer decides that you need to come back to the office, as long, of course, as the employer is allowed to be open and they're taking all the required public health safety precautions, as long as they do that, then yes, your employer can tell you to come back into the office. And that may be a bit of a shock to the system. Like, you know, I've, I've set up at home now. I've been working at home. I don't want to go to the office. I don't want to have to drive or take public transportation. I get that completely, 100%. But the employer still can do that. So that's something you have to keep in mind. And, and I know people, by the way, John, that assume that because they've been working from home for the last year, that that's going to continue forever. And what the, what have they done? They've moved. They've moved away from yeah, you know, know where they worked. And hey, I, I can live two hours away from work. Who cares, right? Because I'm working from home. But they didn't actually confirm that the employer is intending to allow them to continue working from home forever. So don't assume that. If you are going to make plans like moving, talk to your employer. Make uh, or make sure that your employer is going to plan to allow you to continue working from home for good. If not, your employer may one day call and say, now it's time to come back to the office. And if you don't, that may be considered a resignation. We were talking about uh, your employment rights during, uh, during COVID-19. There's so many of them. We'll get to more of those in between the phone calls, of course. 416-870-6400 is the way. Marley, thank you for calling in. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? If you're in salary and you're late, say, for a doctor's appointment, say, by an hour, can they make you make up your time? They can. You know, if the expectation is you work, I don't know, eight hours a day, uh, and this today you work for seven, then, yes, they, they, they can expect you to make up that time at some point. You know, it's not necessarily that you'll stay late that same day, but that you will make up the time. That is reasonable for the employer to expect in that situation. Okay, so you're not punching the clock or anything, but it's still acceptable. It's like, hey, you'll go on a shorter lunch or you'll go on a shorter break. Or... Yeah, you know, if you have fixed, I know you, certainly you said you don't punch in and out because you're on a salary, but you still have your hours of work, right? You know, you're supposed to come in at nine and you're done at five. So, yeah, your, your employer can uh, ask you or make arrangements, uh, arrangements with you to make up the time in a way that, that makes sense. Okay, well, boo, boo, boo. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> no problem. Okay, thanks, thanks Marley. Appreciate it. Yeah, actually, actually, she mentioned probably a good way that most employers would do that. Just work through a couple of your lunches this week and you'll make up the hour type of thing, right? That's probably the best way to do it to uh, not ruffle any feathers, I would imagine. Yeah, and you know, an employer can't say, well, I've decided you're making up your time by staying late today. Yeah, that, that's not reasonable. But to say, okay, let's, let's figure out how we're going to make up the time over the next couple of days, whether it's through lunch or come in early or stay late, yeah. that is reasonable. And uh, listen, a lot of employers are not going to bother and say, yeah, whatever, an hour here or there, it's going to all even out in the wash. But mm -hmm. strictly speaking, can they insist on you making up the time? Yeah, the answer is absolutely. I want to get you uh, to Chris. Hey, Chris, thank you for taking the time to call tonight. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Good, brother. What's, uh, what's on your mind? So, uh, yeah, I worked for uh, an employer for now for four years um, in, in uh, warehouse distribution, and uh, they were bought out by a, a U.S. company. Now, the U.S. company uh, is called a different name, um, and 
we are still, our T4s, everything, when I had to, uh, I, I've been off work since November, I had to apply for EI, I had to uh, enroll, and, and everything they send me is still in the old Canada name. However, we don't have an HR up here when we have problems and issues. We have to reach out to Wisconsin, the U.S. company. Now, we're treated a little differently. Our vacation was up, not up to par as the company standard in the U.S., and that changed. But I have issues in, in when we're trying to do uh, certain things for vacation and stuff, and we're, we're treated a little differently. Is this legal that we don't have the same name of the affiliation in the U.S.? So obviously we don't know the the corporate structure. Oftentimes companies may have complicated corporate structures where you know there's this company and this company has a subsidiary and uh, or or a sister company. So we don't know the corporate structure. So we leave that to the company. At the end of the day, the only thing you need to be concerned about that your rights are not being violated. Remember the fact that you're working for a U.S. based company still doesn't doesn't impact anything in terms of Ontario laws. Ontario laws still apply to you. Uh, whether it's respect to overtime, vacation pay, termination pay, all that applies to you. We don't care about the U.S. laws. The fact that the company is based out of there doesn't impact you. So, you know, as long as the company complies with local laws, that's all they have to do. They don't have to treat Canadian employees in the same way as U.S. employees. They just have to comply with the law. So as long as they do that, I wouldn't worry about anything else. Now, can I give you a quick follow-up question, Lior? Sure. Sure. Um, now that I'm, I'm trying to get back into work, uh, but I'm going to have uh, a surgery done, a head surgery. When I go back, past practices, they've always um, su- uh, uh, supplied me like uh, an area to sit down when I've had an injury or whatever. Do they have to do past practice and sort of when, when I fill out the return to work uh, application, any restrictions and everything else, do, does past practice, what they've done, uh, uh, have some pr- sort of precedent in that? Uh, well, not really, uh, especially since the company has been bought out. But what really matters is what does your doctor say? If the doctor says you need a special area to sit or you need this type of accommodation, that's what they have to do. And by the way, even if in the past they haven't done it, it really wouldn't matter now. What matters is they have to do what your doctor says. So if you have a doctor's note saying uh, David needs this type of accommodation, then uh, then they have to comply with that, uh, and and, they, and that's all they have to do. If if they say they can't accommodate, then what happens after that? The question is, can they and they choose not to, or they legitimately cannot? There's just no way to accommodate you. If they legitimately cannot, then your only choice is to stay off work until you're you're able to come back. If they can oh. but choose not to. That's a human rights violation. That's illegal. You'd have to give me a call at that point, and I'll help you deal with it. So that's always the question. Can they and they choose not to, or do they legitimately have no options available at all? Okay, thank you very much, Lior. I may be requiring your services in a future date. No problem. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that, and I'm sure you know already, but uh, just in case, one 821 Going to get to uh, David. David, thank you as well for hanging on for a couple minutes. Good evening. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind, pal? Uh, here's my scenario here. I'm a 73-year-old worker, a uh, factory worker up here in Thunder Bay, up at a pulp and paper mill, and um, I'm in receipt of CPP, Canada Pension Plan, benefits. 
And my employer, they want to let me go there for somebody younger. And I go, well, that's like age discrimination. They said, well, no, it's not. I says, well, you know, I told them, I says, if you let me go because of it, and it comes out that way there, then that's discrimination. It could be a human rights issue, uh, a different bag of worms altogether. But uh, what I ask also is that if I do accept a severance package, um, does it affect my CPP payments? No, it wouldn't impact your CPP payments, uh, but there's two issues uh, here. Number one, you've identified it, which is if they let you go because of your age, then that's illegal. That's a human rights violation. You cannot be let go because of your age, full stop. There's no exceptions to that. Uh, and if that's what they do, that that's a serious matter. So that's issue number one. Second issue, even if we forget for a second about the discrimination, is you have to make sure you get proper severance. And a company that is going to let you go because of your age is not going to offer you the appropriate amount of severance. I can almost guarantee you that. Now, how long have you worked there, David? Uh, 42 years. Whoa. So anything less than two years' pay is not even negotiable here for you, okay? So two years' pay. So it's not going to impact your CPP, but I want to, you know, if you are let go, I want to have a chat with you and figure out, did they in fact let you go because of your age? And number two is I want to get you 24 months pay. After all these years, it's not 23 and a half months or any other amount. It's 24 months pay. All right. Yeah. So reach out, David, uh, you know, as, as, as things uh, roll on for sure, I'm going to give you that number. Make sure you keep it one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. You know, you'd think after four decades that an employer with an employee like that would be a little bit smarter than, you know, teetering on the precipice of letting go someone for age when they've been there that long. They've got to know. They've got to know that, you know what, heads are going to roll if that happens. Like, come on. Exactly. Do you really need to be a legal expert to know that you can't (laughs) let someone go because of their age? I mean, it it seems so trivial. Uh, You know, it's it's not even debatable here. And the fact that they would say that to him, well, you know, we just need someone younger. My God, well, where, where have these people been living? On the moon? It's yeah. it's silly. It's illegal. You cannot be let go because of your age. There's no such thing as mandatory retirement. That's a human rights violation. So if that's what this company is doing, beyond just the 24 months pay that they're going to have to pay David, they're going to also have to pay a significant amount by way of human rights damages. So important for David and for all our listeners to know. You cannot be let go because of your age, but also because of a disability or because of your ethnicity, religion. All those things, illegal. You cannot be let go because of them. Yeah, one uh, quick email in here before we shut her down. Patricia says, Leora, our department's being shut down, and I'm going to lose my job. I'm scheduled to go on mat leave in a few weeks. Can you explain what happens to my severance and mat leave in this situation? So you cannot get mat leave uh, benefits and severance for the same period of time, okay? You cannot because EI is not going to pay you. So oftentimes what happens is we negotiate with the employer to pay the severance after the uh, maternity leave benefits end. So we need to have a chat and figure out, number one, how much severance you're owed, and then negotiate with your employer to structure it in a way that's not going to impact your EI benefits because otherwise you're just not going to be able to get both. Good way to wrap it up. I appreciate that, Patricia. And for you, reaching out as well. Now that we're done, real simple. Been giving it out all night. one 821 5900 is the way to reach. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Just employmentlawyer.ca. Give you links to our long-running TV show. 
And, of course, the only website you ever need to go for all these matters to reach Lior and otherwise completely anonymous is wallpocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll pick it up again in the weekend, but go nowhere. On Point returning, coming right back with Alex Pearson. On the way next, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.